Let's give him an applause. Let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight. And let us give the Lord thanks for Sister Tran, the praise singers, the players of instruments, and all those that are on the board behind us, and for the people of God who are here tonight. Thanks be to God that we are here. Could you be seated, please? Thank you very much. Must give the Lord thanks for the Sunday school and activities teachers as well. Who spent so much time diligently getting their materials together. Welcome again to the Sunday Wednesday evening service. And we are in the Bible studies segment. I'm Brother Vernon Shaw, and I'm standing in for the pastor tonight, who is in the audience. He's a student tonight. So, unfortunately, again, you're going to have to put up with me. Thank you for your patience. By now, you should have re received the handout. Please confirm you have it. It's six pages on three front to back and the title is Jesus says we are not of the world even as I am not of the world and this is continuing from when we started some weeks ago I believe we started trying to see where I wrote this <laughs> I've been complaining all week that my eyes or my mind one of the two or both are giving me a problem. But before we begin, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we're truly thankful for the opportunity that you have given us to come together in like precious faith to learn from your word. God Almighty, it is very obvious that when we look at some of the prophecies that were uttered, had it not been for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we would never have been able to connect those utterances with the events that they were pointing to. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, it behooves us, O oh God, when we come to learn your word, that our hearts and our minds be open to the inspiration of your spirit. We cannot learn about you apart from you. And so tonight, Lord Jesus, we ask you to attend us by your spirit. Help us to set ourselves at ease and at liberty for our hearts and our minds to be open to learn of you. Not just to collect knowledge, Lord, as we collect paper in a scrapbook. But God Almighty, that would be truly informed and transformed by what we know and what we learn. Lord, hear us as we ask this of you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Without any further to do, let's just get right into it. Page one. Jesus says, we are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And the scriptures at the top 
Genesis 15, 13, and he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And the accompanying scripture, Matthew 2 and 13. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, that is, when Joseph arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. These two scriptures, we're going to see the foundation that these are for the Bible study. The foundation, even as I'm not of the world. Just before his arrest, by the Jewish authorities in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he prays to the Father, Jesus acknowledges that his disciples are not of the world, just as Jesus himself is not of the world. The divinely appointed forerunner to Jesus Christ, John the Baptizer, established this fact about him. And this is from John chapter 3, the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 31. And could I ask, Sister Tran, could you read this one for us, please? And Sister Shara, the last time you volunteered, are you going to volunteer again tonight? Okay, could you volunteer to read Matthew, the next scripture for us, please? And the question is, the virgin's name was? Everybody agrees? Amen. Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible. We are looking at the word world because Jesus is saying that he's not of the world anymore that we are not of the world or they his disciples are not of the world anymore than Jesus Christ himself is or was of the world and if we look at the three definitions of the word world as we have come to recognize by now that words don't always stick to just one meaning one word can have different meaning in different contexts Amen? Whether it's English, Spanish, Greek, or Latin, or Hebrew. So in Matthew 12, 32, the word world has the Greek connotation G165. And if you go down to the bottom, you'll see where G165, the meanings is properly an age by extension, perpetuity, also past. So the word world, as is used in Matthew chapter 12, 32, and Ephesians 6, 12, are both the same. They have the same meaning. And it's referring to a time, a period, or an age. Number two, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, that all the world should be taxed. That Greek, that notation, the Greek word, which derives from that notation, means land. That is, so the word world means land here. Globe, specifically at that time, it was speaking about the Roman Empire. All the world at that time meant the geographical location on the earth where the Roman Empire stretched. That was the world at that time. And they ruled it. Amen? Thank you, Brother Steve. So that's another context of the word world. Number three, John 17, 16, our 
lesson text. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Cosmos, orderly arrangement, that is decorations by implication, the world in a wide or narrow sense, including its inhabitants, literally or figuratively, morally, adorning world. So here the word world is referring to the order, the order of how the world is run. Who's running the world? What basis is it running on? So when Jesus says he's not of the world, he's speaking that he's not of this world's order. But if we were to look at the other definition of world, of the globe, of the earth, he's also not of this world either. Amen? So am I confusing you or am I making sense? If I'm making sense, let me see a smile. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. So look at the word ruler. Ephesians 6, 12, and everybody basically who has read Ephesians chapter 6 and where we refer to putting on the whole armor of God should recognize this against the rulers of darkness of this world. In other words, we struggle not against flesh or blood, but against rulers of the darkness of this world. Here we are not looking at the word world. We are really looking at the word ruler. Now, if you go down, you see two G2888. Cosmocrator. So in other words, a cosmocrator is the one who is in charge of the cosmos, which is the world that Jesus says he is not of. And it says here that a world ruler, an epithet of Satan. So the world that Jesus says that he's not of is the world that is ruled by Satan. Is that connection made? Okay. Thank you, Brother Steve. I love it. I love the encouragement. Amen. Now let's go down even when it hurts, right? Brother Steve, even when the truth hurts, right? <laughs> it didn't come out so quickly with it this time. But yes, we love the truth, even when it hurts. And it tends to hurt sometimes. I say amen, sir. Matthew 8. Again the devil taketh him, that is Jesus, up into an exceeding high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. It's that same cosmos, that same word. And the glory of them. And, and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan. Anybody wants to finish what Jesus said? What did Jesus say? Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God alone, and him only shalt thou serve. Notice, the Lord did not argue with him about him being in charge of the world. But of course, the Lord is making it plain that worship is unto God and God alone. Amen? So Jesus Christ is not of the world of whom the ruler is. Who is that ruler? Amen. Let's turn over. So is that, is that clear to everyone? Did I leave anyone behind? Amen. 
So on the top of page number two, beyond all scriptural doubt, Jesus Christ is not of the world. Amen? Everybody agrees? Jesus Christ is not of the world. So we just looked at, even as I am not of the world, that's the foundation. Let's look of, at out of Egypt, because we, we are looking at the two scriptures at the top to see how they fit into the Bible study. Amen? So now we're going to look at out of Egypt. Matthew 2, 15 states, Out of Egypt have I called my son. That scripture was originally recorded in Hosea 11, 1. Sister Tran, please. However, this scripture in Hosea 11, 1 about Jesus being called out of Egypt is also actually about Israel's, I'm sorry, being called out of Egypt is also actually a prophecy about Jesus Christ being called out of Egypt. And this was why I when I was praying, I was saying to the Lord that who would have thought that when this utterance was made by the prophet, that he was not only talking about Israel, but he was also talking about the one who Israel represented. And so that's the very reason why there can be no one who can think that they have cornered the market on knowing the things of God, except God himself. Only God is an expert on the things of God. Because who would have thought, out of Egypt have I called my son, would refer to Jesus Christ being taken into Egypt and then to be brought out again? Who would have thought? Or as far as I would say, who would have thunk? Amen? So, however, the scripture in Hosea 11.1 1, about Israel being called out of Egypt is also actually a prophecy about Jesus Christ being called out of Egypt. Great care is taken to show that Jesus Christ fulfills the scripture. Was Jesus Christ an Egyptian? <laughs> I guess that means no, right? No. <laughs> yeah, no way will, will suffice. Thank you. Jesus Christ was not of the world. Although Jesus was not of this world, his earthly human identity through his mother, Mary, which we already established, was with the nation of Israel, not Egypt. Right, Sister Miriam? You're with me? Amen. The seed, thy seed shall be a stranger. In Genesis 15, 13, the Lord tells Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. Abraham's seed is a nation of Israel, which became the stranger in the land of Egypt. Now, here's a question for you, a little activity. Can you reorder the following men's names correctly? As father, son, 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 dot, dot, son. In other words, you want to put them in order of descendants. So whose name would go in the first box on the left? Oh, no, we're, we remember we're starting from father, earthly father. So whose name would go in the... Abraham, okay, everybody agrees? Because, listen, remember what it says here? Know of a surety that thy seed, and the seed is going to come from the person who the Lord is talking to. So everyone is going to come from Abraham. Every human being, that is, is going to come through Abraham, to whom Jesus, the Lord, had said, it is through you whom the whole earth shall be blessed. Amen? So Abraham is the first name. So who was Abraham's son? Okay. And then Jacob was? 
and then Judah, and then, okay, so could you say it for us, Sister Mi Mi I'm going to call you Mary, <laughs> Sister Maria. Could you, could you say it in the correct order for us, please? Mm -hmm. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and Jesus. Amen. John the Apostle wrote in Revelation 5.5, 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. And to whom was he referring? He was referring to Jesus. Because Jesus is a descendant of Abraham through the tribe or the line of Judah. Amen? Don't worry. It's going to come together if it hasn't already. The Lord gave the name Israel to Jacob. And I'm sorry I wasn't here Sunday night because Brother Brown was teaching on oneness versus the Trinity. And here is something that I think that would have made a very interesting discussion in discussing how can one name refer to Father, to Son, and to Holy Ghost? Because this is what, as oneness, we believe, right? We believe that Jesus is Father, amen? Jesus is the Son, and Jesus is the Holy Ghost, amen? Now, here is where a lot of people get mixed up with Israel. And someone who was a new convert came and said, is Israel a person or is Israel a country or is Israel a nation? Doesn't that sound familiar? Is Israel the name Israel, is it the name of a person? Is it the name of a country? And it's the name of a nation, right? So is Israel a trinity? So you see the point I'm making? That this would have made a good additive to the discussion. Because it's the same way that the whole concept of the Trinity came up because it could not be understood how one person could be Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They divided God into three different persons. But we see here that Israel was the name of a man, was the name of a country, <laughs> and is the name of a nation. Amen? Amen? Let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight. So the Lord gave the name Israel to Jacob. And you know the most interesting thing about it is that Israel, being the father of the nation, is also considered a son of the nation. So he's father and son. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Amen. <coughs> Anyhow, the Lord gave the name Israel to Jacob. Genesis 32, 28. Sister Shara, could you get that one for us, please? Amen. And from his 12 sons came the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, on your left, you'll see the names of those 12 sons in order of birth. And on the right, you should see a map. You see, what happened is they became the nation of Israel. They populated the promised land called Israel. And they were living in territories that were named after the tribes. Now, if you look on the left in the list, 
you'll see names in the list that you will not find on the map. And if you look on the map, you'll find tribe names or names of sons on the map that you will not find on the list. So the question is, which names in the list are missing from the map? And there are two names. If I'm wrong, forgive me. I'm so, oh, no, no, no. I mean, not regular names, just the names of the territories. And let's identify the territories by the name. Asher, everybody sees that one at the top? Then you see Naphtali, Zebulun. Then we see Manasseh, Issachar, yeah, thank you, yes. Manasseh is on the right, Issachar is on the left. Manasseh is, the is one that's not on the list. Okay, so let's continue. Oh no, Lachish is not one of the, is not, no, not one of the territories, no. Uh, let's go down, Ephraim. Is Ephraim on the list? Ephraim is on the list? Oh, no, Ephraim is not on the list. Let's go on the right on the map. You see Gad? He's okay. Next one is Dan. Okay, Benjamin. Okay, Reuben. Judah. Simeon. Okay, so there are there were two on the list that were not on the map and two on the map that are not on the list. Brother Lou, Joseph is on the list but not on the map. You were saying Levi is on the list but is not on the map. Okay. And who is on the map but not on the list? Manasseh is on the map, but not on the list. Who else? Ephraim. Ephraim is on the map, but not on the list. Okay. Anybody want to know why? Yeah, Brother Lou, tell us why. Okay, so Joseph, whose name is on the list, is represented by his two sons, and their names are Brother Lou. Jo the names of Joseph's two sons. Exactly. So when Israel, Jacob, was blessing his sons, he did tell Joseph that he was going to get two portions or something of the sort. Who else? The reverse, no. Who is on the list who is not on the map? I'm sorry, who is on the map that's not on the list? Oh, I think we have it covered. Yeah, we have it covered. I'm sorry about that. But Levi, why is Levi not on the map? Pastor is going to tell us, if none of us can. I'm sorry? Aaron is from Levi. Go ahead, continue. No, Aaron is of the tribe of Levi. No, what was Aaron? Okay, and what was Levi? Yes, but Levi was the priestly tribe. And they were not given any land. They had no inheritance in the promised land as land, but tithes and offerings were taken up on their behalf. Now, there's a third list. There's a third list in Revelation. There's a third list. Well, I'll get to that in a moment. So let's turn over to page number three. Portions of the portrait of Israel is a type of parable about its greatest son. Now, who is Israel's greatest son? Is it Joseph of son of Jacob? 
because he delivered his people from starvation and death? Is it? Is it Moses, son of Amram, because he delivered his people from bondage? Is it David, son of Jesse, because he delivered his people from its enemies? Is it Jesus, son of Joseph, the carpenter, because he delivered his people from their sins? So who is the greatest son of Israel? Absolutely. Israel represented the great one who was to come. In other words, Joseph was a type of Jesus in his operation as Savior. In fact, they gave him a name that began with the letter Z. Zaf, Pantha, something or the other. Which in Egyptian language meant Savior. So he was a type of Savior. He was like a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Moses was also a type of Messiah. He was a type of deliverer. A foreshadowing of Jesus. David, delivering his people from all their enemies, is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, delivering us from all our enemies, ex including the greatest enemy of all. Greatest enemy of all. The greatest enemy of all. The, the greatest e enemy of all. Sorry? Sin? Self? The other next greatest enemy of, of all. The other next greatest enemy. The other next greatest enemy. Death. Death. He came to deliver us from our greatest enemy, death. David could not do that. Amen? Is that point taken? Let's put our hands together for Jesus. He's not the greatest for nothing. He deserves a round, amen? Not a round of drinks, but a round of applause. <laughs> amen. Thank Jesus. So Israel represented the great one who was to come. Israel was God's firstborn son. Exodus 4.22. And Jesus is the firstborn son. Hebrews 1, 6. Israel was taken into Egypt. So Jesus Christ was taken into Egypt. Israel was called out of Egypt. So Jesus Christ was called out of Egypt. Egypt represented the world. Israel sojourned in Egypt. So Jesus sojourned in the world. Israel was to be separate and different in Egypt as Jesus Christ was separate and different in the world. Brother Thompson, could you bring the experiment, please? And Pastor, we hope that no animals will be killed <laughs> or hurt during this demonstration. <laughs> Review, separate and distinct. And this is from before, A. Distinction. When the Lord calls someone, it is to be separate and different. Sister Tran, could you read that one for us, please? Amen. So, when God calls someone to be, it is to be separate and distinct. When the Lord calls someone to be separate and distinct, whenever that is incomplete, he will help to secure it. In this scripture, what's happening is, in, in the first instance, Abraham, there was a famine, and Abraham went off down into Egypt. And he got into so, so a little trouble there. But the point was, he really should not have gone into Egypt. 
And the Lord spoke to him, not regarding that, but the scripture that we just read is the fact that the Lord is now making sure that he's separate and distinct because circumcision was the mark that helped to denote Jewish males. There was there's a thought that when Joseph told his brothers to come near, when he was revealing himself to them, some people think that he was showing them the mark of circumcision. That's what some people say. I don't see any evidence of that. But the point is, circumcision sets the Jewish people apart from every people at the time. And the Lord was making his mark. <laughs> Pardon the pun. The Lord was making his mark on his people to be separate and different. So when another famine came here in Genesis 26, could you read it for us, Sister Sharon? Amen. So, when the Lord's call is incomplete, he will help to secure it. So, he, was, he prohibited Isaac from going into Egypt. Installation C. When the call is fully established, that one may be installed in Egypt. Sister Trial, could you read that one for us, please? Amen. Thank you, Sister Trent. So here, even though Isaac was prohibited from going into Egypt, here we have Joseph being installed there. Amen. He was installed. And as we progress further, and from Pastor's excellent Bible study about a month ago, we know how well Joseph did in Egypt. Let's go down to D, invitation. When the Lord's call is well established, invitation into Egypt is commanded. Sister, Sister Shara. Amen. So here we have it. Abraham, who was given the prophecy, was not supposed to be in Egypt. Not to sojourn at least. Then Isaac was not allowed. Then Joseph was installed. And he prepared the way such that Israel, his father, could come and be in Egypt to fulfill the prophetic utterance. There's a paradox here. And a paradox is a statement that seems contrary. 
2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Yet the Lord is calling Israel into Egypt. How may Israel be in Egypt, yet remaining separate and different from Egypt? And we have a little demonstration here. We put automatic transmission fluid in this bottle of water. And we shake it up. And if we wait a few seconds, you'll see that even though the transmission fluid is in water, it is still separate and distinct. So, how may Israel be in Egypt, yet remaining separate and different from Egypt? Just like how transmission fluid retain its integrity. Think of, think of Noah's Ark. Think of Noah's Ark. Let's say this is Noah's Ark. And that is the flood. And scientists who are Christians will talk about how terrible the flood was. So we know that the ark did not sink right throughout the flood. The flood was upon the earth 10 months, no, six months. Or was it nine months? Well, whatever the period of time. 150 days. It was the waters were on the earth. And the ark floated, did not sink. Why not? Question is, how may Israel be in Egypt, yet remaining separate and different from Egypt? Same way the ark floated for the better part of 10 months and did not sink. It's the same way Israel could remain in Egypt and not sink. You see, the reason why this thing won't sink is that it's not letting anything in. It's not letting anything in. And if you remember what the Lord told Noah about the ark, he was to pitch it inside and out. What's in stays in. What's out stay out. So to be separate and different is not a matter of where your body is. It's a matter of where your mentality is. I once said to a young lady, if you and I were to be stranded on an island together, what, and we are not married, what do you think the Lord would expect of us? Do you think the rules would change because we are here alone? This word is forever settled in heaven. So to be separate, set apart, is a matter of mentality. So, how may Israel be in Egypt yet remaining? Thank you very much, my brother. Thank you for your able assistance. How may Israel be in Egypt yet remaining separate and different from, from Egypt? By following the principles of their standard bearer. Who is their standard bearer? Joseph. Yes, Brother Lou. 
Let's turn over to page number four. Separate and different in Egypt. The profile of a standard bearer. And according to Merriam-Webster, a standard bearer is a leader of a cause. Conformity is a mentality. Such causes the ma majority to seek conformity with what is popular and trendy by the influence or pressures in society. This is the easy way. So easy to go with the flow. I remember my sister back in the 1980s, she was approaching an intersection and an accident was about to occur. And she said she turned right, that person tur turned their car left. So they kept, everywhere she went, they kept coming at her until finally she just gave up and said, all right, you know what? Let the accident happen. That's what she said. Let the she just gave up. She was tired. She was tired of fighting, of going against the forces that were against her. She turned left, the guy turned right. So they were both going the same direction. She turned the other direction, they turned too. It's just like when you're walking down the street and you go like this and the person goes like that. You go like that, you know, you just can't get past the person. So one of you have to got to stop and decide, so okay, you go first or something like that. So it is so easy to go with the flow. Too easy. In fact, when things are happening like clockwork in my life, I begin to have paranoia. Something is wrong because everything is going so right. Nothing ever is easy. Something is wrong. For those of us who read Spider-Man comics, my spider alarm goes off when things are going right because something seems to be wrong. So it's so easy to go with the flow. For a tiny minority, such is to be different, like going up the down escalator. It is not just to appear different or to be different for the sake of being different or to be different to be lifted up above others, to be esteemed by them. It is to be different unto God. It is to maintain distinction, difference in identity according to the will, word, and ways of God. To, to promote God to all who seek their identity elsewhere. All that this is saying is this. We want to be like God. And we want others to be like him. Not like us. We want to be like God. And we want everybody else to be like him. That's the difference that we are seeking. Not to be different for people to come and tell us, oh man, you're so different. And then we start feeling so high and wonderful. Oh, I'm different? In what way? And we are just fishing for compliments. No, that's not what being different is all about. Being different is all about. Being different is to draw attention to God, whose we are. Such displays strength of character. Not to be, I'm sorry, such displays strength of character not to be allured by Egypt, at ease in Egypt, or in awe of Egypt. So let's start with number one, allured by Egypt. Sister Tran, Genesis 37, 28. So, the standard bearer entered Egypt as checked below, as a volunteer, a fortune seeker, a runaway from home, a thrill seeker, or as merchandise, which he was <laughs> entering Egypt as merchandise. Question, is this the expected way those who seek after life in the bright lights go after it? 
in other words, if I want to go to Hollywood to be one of those stars on the walk of fame, would I sell myself to slavery? Well, that's a very loaded question because the truth of the matter is that's what's happening. But deliberately, no. But eventually, that's what's happening. But in this scenario, Joseph did not offer himself up to be sold to get into Egypt. Amen? What does this say? Am I in the right place? What does this say about the standard bearer's interest in Egypt? Did he have a strong interest in Egypt? Did he care to go into Egypt? Did he have any desires for Egypt? No, he was quite contented and happy where he was. Egypt was not on his radar, on his mind, on his agenda. Amen? So, the profile of a standard bearer is one who is not a lord. Is that pronunciation proper again? A lord? I will get it right one day. <laughs> the profile of a standard bearer, one who can be separate and distinct in Egypt, is one who is not a lord at all, in the least, by Egypt. Amen? At ease in Egypt. Sister Shara, I think this one is yours. Mm -hmm. Yes. The standard bearer was what in Egypt? Check below. Was he a celebrity? A guest of honor? A slave? Or was he at home? He was a slave. Question. If this, were, if this were one likely consequence of seeking life in the bright lights, is it fair for this to happen to this standard bearer, yes or no? So in other words, if someone who is seeking to go to Hollywood to become, to have his star on the walk of fame, and they had all the desire to be in Hollywood, they did everything to be in Hollywood, and they ended up becoming a slave. If that is one consequence of people like that, and the fact that Joseph was not like that, is it fear for him to be enduring the same consequence as one who was seeking after bright lights? Is it fear? Let's be honest now. Let's not be anything else but honest. Is it fear? No, it's not. It's not fear. How should he respond? Anger, bitterness. I want to go home. What did I do to deserve this? Yes, to be separated from his family, everything else. But in truth and in fact, that was not how he behaved. Let's go over to number three. We're almost done. I think. Well, we're almost done. We're almost out of time, so we're almost done. In awe of Egypt. Top of page number three. Everyone has a point of reference, a center of influence. Something or someone that he, she uses to guide or justify his, her attitude or decisions. Determine from the following scriptures who or what guides or justifies the standard bearer's behavior. Sister Tran, first scripture. Amen. Now, when, when 
when I'm doing a Bible study, usually I wake up, I can't sleep at night with all different thoughts passing through my mind. What was passing through my mind was this. The law about committing adultery was not yet instituted. Nope, there was no law. And I noticed that he never referred to the fact about adultery. What he was referring to was that she was not given to him. She did not belong to him. So he could not have her. And if we could think like that as well, it will help us to remain separate and distinct. And I'm not just talking about having somebody else's property. I'm talking about if God does not give us something, we don't yearn for it. Yeah. If it is not given to us, it's not ours. Sister Shira, Genesis, just read the, the, the bullet for us, please. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the next bullet, Sister Tran. And the next bullet, Sister Shira, the next set of bullets, next three bullets. Sister Tran, Genesis 41, 38. Uh, the, yeah, the scripture and the bullet. What is the most popular reference point? for Joseph. What is that one word that keeps showing up in all of his speech and his answers? What is the word? God. Listen, brothers and sisters. If you get to the point where people come talking to you about God and you change the subject, It means we are on the wrong side of the subject. If we get to the place where somebody's coming to talk to us about God, everything they're talking about is God, and we get turned off, something is wrong with us. This guy is all about God. He is reeking with God. God, if you poke him, God is going to come out of him. He is flushed with God. He's like a sponge, saturated, soaked, drunk <laughs> with God. And I envy him. Everything he says is a reference to God. I remember when I decided to, when I gave my life back to God, and it happened in Canada, and I went back to Jamaica, and I'm telling you, I was just brimming with enthusiasm. I had found a new love for God. And I was bursting, rushing around, trying to find people to talk to God, talk to about God. And as you open the subject, it becomes change for the weather or politics or something else. I'll never forget it. And so because of that experience, May I never be the one to turn someone off when they come talking to me about God. Because look who's talking about God too. Remember that movie, Look Who's Talking To? It was Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking About God Too. Pharaoh, it is infectious. 
Sister Trian just read it. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such one as this is a man whom the Spirit of God is? In whom the Spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this. Listen. See? It's catching. So the question is, who or what is a standard bearer's reference point? Is it his culture, his family, himself, or is it God? Amen. Next question. Does the center of influence benefit him in Egypt, even among those who don't share his views? Yes. Explain. Does he impact anyone, yes or no? Give me names. Who did he impact? For sure, he impacted Potiphar's wife. Can you imagine dripping with Egyptian seduction? She is creme de la creme. And this nobody from nowhere said no to her. Of course she, he had an impression on her. I mean, she made a great impression on him too. She threw him into prison. But I'm sure he made an impression on her. And he made an impression on Pharaoh as well because he had Pharaoh talking about God. Amen? So yes, he impacted someone. The standard bearer was in awe of, check accordingly below, was in awe of Egypt, was in awe of his job, his boss, his boss's wife, his gifts and talents, was in awe of Pharaoh, or was in awe of God. He was in awe of God alone, Brother Sanchez. Romans 8:28. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is I'm agreeing with you. He must have shocked them. But what I'm also saying is it would be shocking because such a concept was not brought out in the scriptures until Jesus came and was followed up by Paul in the book of Romans, verse, chapter 8, verse 28. Yeah, it was shocking. Yeah, revenge is mine. <laughs> and this was not God talking. Amen. <clears throat> so the standard bearer was in awe of nobody but God. Arriving in Egypt, the approximate age range of the standard bearer was what? 20 to 25, 30 to 30 to 40, 40 to 50, 90 to 100. What was the age range? 15 to 20. Who would be likely earthly influence? On the standard bearer's character. Check accordingly below. His peers, his brothers, his neighbors, his family, his church, his parents. Who? His brothers were certainly not going to <laughs> inform his character this way. His neighbors were the Canaanites and the whoever all the other ites were. Please complete the following. Blank, blank, a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Okay, so who, who would have trained up Joseph? His parents. Brothers and sisters, here is the point. The point is this. Let's stand, because we're about out of time. I was listening to the radio last night, and they were talking about kids, or was it this morning? I think it was this morning. I was talking about parents shuddering at the fact that their children are going off to, to, to college and that they're going to lose their faith. And someone wrote a book about it, and they were talking about it on the radio. But let's face it. If a 15 to 20-year-old there can be like this, and it was his parents who taught him. You and I have that same responsibility for our children. 
it is very easy to blame peers. It is very easy to send our children to church. But the person who first taught me about Jesus was my mother. I still see it in my mind's eye right now. Jesus sitting on a well talking to that woman. It was an illustrated book. I see it right now. My mother brought it to me. And it still is with me. Joseph, Jacob must have been very, very, very pleased when he saw his son doing so well. Not because he became second to Pharaoh, but because he remained separate and different. That's what Lord, the Lord is calling us for. We must not be afraid to go out in the world because we are not of it. We won't mix in it anyway as long as our minds are made up. Just like how this is made up, it's not going to mix in with the water. It's the same way we have to make our minds up. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, minister to us, O oh God Almighty, when we leave here, when we are in our cars, when we are in our beds, when we are in our kitchen, when we are in our bathrooms, when we are at the iron board or shaving as some of us are wont to do. Minister to us, O oh God Almighty. Give us a mentality to conform to your will, to your word, to your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. The people of God say, Amen. And thank you so much.